Dear friends gathered, amazing love, good to see you this morning. I'm going to invite you to pray with me. Let's ask God to bless the preaching of his word. We pray. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Accomplish the purpose for which you send your word. Work in our hearts and our lives through these moments. In Jesus' name, amen. When is the last time your expectations have been exceeded? I need to talk about a very popular movie right now. Uh, Anyone see Avengers Endgame? All right, all right. And uh, would anyone say that their expectations were not only met, but that they were exceeded as they watched? All right, all right. And uh, th- that was popular for uh, Endgame super fans. I, I was uh, looking a little bit at Twitter. And uh, here it says, Avengers Endgame is everything you want it to be and more. I'm absolutely floored. A perfect reflection on the last 11 years that pays off everything in the best way possible. So maybe uh, Mother's Day plans, I don't know, see it a second time? I don't know. Or a restaurant. Sometimes you can go to a restaurant and the customer service exceeds your expectation. You were thinking you wanted a Coke, and boom, there it is, poof, you didn't even see where they brought it, but wow, I have a second Coke. That's amazing. It can happen with products, right? Um, I don't know if you have cut the cord from cable and have just streamed services. Wow, Netflix is a game changer, or Hulu. Um, It's just amazing uh, how sometimes our expectations can be exceeded. Those are the light things of life, movies, restaurants, technology. But what about the big things of life? When it comes to a job, when it comes to a marriage, when it comes to kids, um, have your expectations been exceeded, met, or are they maybe less than? You know, some things I consider uh, living as an American uh, and pursuing happiness is, is that part of our American culture is evaluating things based on how happy they make us. In fact, I think ingrained into our culture is this principle, at least to a degree, That if it makes me happy, it must be good. And if it doesn't make me happy, it must be bad. Have you ever used this? Now, I know this can work for movies. You know, it made me happy, it's good, I recommend it. It works well for burritos. Go to Chipotle, they, they can make you happy. But does this principle work on every area of life or not? Does it work for the college student? who has a professor who isn't making them very happy. It doesn't mean that that college professor is bad and evil and you should just quit because you're not happy right now. Does it work for every job you've had? That though you experience some unpleasant sensations for a moment or or with a, a customer or whatever the situation is, should we just quit it because obviously I'm not happy right now? Does it work for marriage? Well, I'm not happy today. Well we're starting to see maybe this ideology, this part of our American culture, isn't always very helpful. In fact, it's not very helpful also when applied to church. If we come to church and, well, I'm only going to be happy right now, and and never challenged by God's word, uh, never confronted by his ways that are sometimes different than our ways, well, then we might leave church saying, well, it didn't make me happy. In fact, I I, uh, uh, was talking to one of our visitors. We had a polling place here, and and we love visitors. We love them. And uh, one visitor came back. I saw him two weeks in a row and and said, you know what? Um, I'm here because after I visited, I had the best week ever. Now, by the way, I'm hoping that happens to everyone today. 
I am hoping you go away, and it is like walking on sunshine. I mean, it's just the best week ever. I, I hope that would happen all the time. But then as he said that, I kind of wondered, okay, that, that's really good, but, but what happens when you don't have the best week ever? Will, will that then be the, the fault of a, a church or, or, or maybe God or a pastor that life didn't go your way? I mean, just think of how we view God. Isn't it common to think of God as a cosmic Coke machine? I'm going to punch in all the right activity and you better pump out all the blessings that I want. And if that's really our approach to God, who's really in the position of God? Aren't we? Aren't we created to make him happy, not vice versa? And so we need to talk about some things today, and especially that thing, do whatever makes you happy. Now, I need to clear something up real, real quick, because some of you are like, well, this is going to be a really depressing sermon on Mother's Day. Thanks, Pastor. Um, what, what are you talking about? And I need to clarify that because of God, there, there's a reason to be so happy, to be geeked out, because of the gospel. That God so loved the world, that God so loved you, he gave his one only son, that whoever believes shall not perish but have eternal life. That should make you happy. That you are forgiven completely. You have the right to be called a child of God. That heaven is your home and you're just not there yet. That should send shivers down your spine. That should be as a good of emotion as you can experience here on earth. I, I firmly believe that. But I guess what I wrestle with is, what is our day-to-day -day experience going to be like? When Jesus asks us to follow him, I guess I'm asking, what should we expect? And that's what I kind of want to talk about with you this morning. Because I don't think Jesus is going to tell us, do whatever makes you happy. I think that's cultural, but it's not biblical. In fact, what we hear from Paul is that Paul, in serving the Lord, had a lot of things that didn't make him happy. Did you hear the first lesson? Let's just look at one, one of the lines. He said, Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. Now, tell me which one of those things made Paul happy. Right? That'd be weird if he was happy during any of them. I'm sure he wasn't. Now, was Paul doing it wrong? I don't think so. And, and then we had some homework today. I don't know if anyone did your homework. Uh, and it's okay if you're just visiting, but if you remember here, we had homework, we had Bible lessons. And, and if you're reading about David, or if you're reading the lesson from the judges, you heard what they did to make themselves happy. David stole another man's wife and then killed that man. In the book of Judges, they also stole children. It was like seven brides for seven brothers all over again. And, and I don't think that would have made them very happy. Right? So we see the chaos Whenever we live by this principle, I just I better do what, what I want to do, regardless. So as we get into God's word, he's going to set the, the expectations for, for disciples. We're going to read from Matthew today. It's Jesus sending out his disciples for the very first time, and I think their expectations not only for them but for us about what's truly going to be going on as we follow Jesus. You ready? Here we go. So you can follow along either in your worship folder or on the screen in front of you. Here it says, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, <clears throat> on my account, you will be brought before governors and kings 
as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. Truly, I tell you, you will not finish going through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. The student is not above the teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the students to be like their teachers and servants like their masters. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub or Satan, how much more the members of his household. But do not be afraid of them. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. This is the word of God that we get to dig into and have fun with today. Uh, could you turn to the person next to you and just tell them, you are of priceless worth. You are of priceless worth. You ready to have some fun in the Word of God today? I believe in life there are things that are very, very hard, but also very, very worth it. For example, I consider all of our veterans, and, and maybe we have some in the crowd, uh, being a soldier is very, very hard, being separated from your family, uh, risking that sacrifice. But no question, it would be very, very worth it for everyone else's benefit. One of the movies I'm intrigued by um, is this one, They Shall Not Grow Old. I don't know if anyone has seen it. It documents the First World War from actual First World War footage uh, made in real time. may not want to watch it with kids. I know it's violent, but um, interesting. And, and as we look at, at their service, would we say, you know, that's easy to do or made them happy? Probably not. But it's very, very worth it on our behalf. Or I consider this day. Happy Mother's Day. And uh, though I am not a mom, I have observed many good moms. And I know many good moms. And to me, it looks very, very hard. But it also seems very, very worth it. It seems that pregnancy can be a toil. Um, as you have uh, maybe morning sickness or all day sickness, maybe one trimester, maybe all of them. The labor process, even with epidurals, right, uh, can be very, very hard. And then that mom radar that just never turns off. You're always wondering what's going on with your children, right? That, 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 that keeps you up at night. Very, very hard. Very, very worth it. You know, I think of uh, Jesus um, and, and what he's uh, sending his disciples out towards. As Jesus sends his disciples out, think of all the hard things he warned them about. You're going to be like sheep among wolves. You're going to be flogged in the synagogues. People will hate you because of me. You will have family dysfunction because of me. All of these things going on, it's going to be very, very hard for you. You know, Jesus kind of reminds me of Tom Hanks' um, 
from the movie A League of Their Own. Uh, He's known for saying this, if it wasn't hard, everyone would do it. It's the hard that makes it great. And so as a disciple of Jesus, just be ready. Yeah, it's hard, but the hard actually makes it great. Then I did some history on on disciples, not just then, and and many of you know probably uh, that the New Testament uh, disciples were martyrs, many of them. One we know in exile, but most of them died for the faith. And I was doing other history of uh, a person named John Wesley. John Wesley was the founder of the Methodist faith. Um, And uh, here's a picture of him. Does not look like he has an easy life. And well, he didn't. The story goes that he was an itinerant preacher, which means he he spent a lot of time away from home, uh, sometimes months away as he preached from one church to another church to another church. And this made his marriage very messy. He was married to a gal named Molly who accused him of infidelity. In fact, others observed their marriage and one person unsuspecting walked into a room they were in. Uh, Look what they found. Once entered a room unannounced to find Molly, the the wife, dragging her husband across the floor by his hair. That's not a good marriage. He was up to very, very good work. He was up to very, very hard work. But it wasn't easy. In fact, John Wesley, the founder of that movement, actually got divorced uh, in serving God and, and that tensions arose. Then I consider today. Are there any hardships for following Jesus today? What about Christians in Sri Lanka? What about a missionary who's home right now from India? One of our Wells missionaries who not, cannot go back to India because it's too hostile there. They won't let him back in. What about us? Maybe a little lighter, but if you've ever wrestled with the kids on a Sunday morning trying to get them to church, you know that that can be very, very hard. Or maybe for you it is, it is serving other people and volunteering. You know that can be very, very hard. We live in a consumeristic culture that says, people better serve me, I, I don't have to serve them, it, it's all about what I want. Have you ever tried to love someone who is cold, who is hard to love? It can be very, very difficult to try to make a breakthrough on those who are pushing you away. Yeah, it's very, very hard. In fact, Jesus reminds us that's what he's calling us to. Look what he says. Jesus said, whoever wants me to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Deny themselves. Deny that zest to do whatever makes me happy. Deny the idea that you just do you, boo, right? Deny all those ideas that we feel so deep inside of us and instead carry our cross to serve Jesus. And as we do, we are reminded, and here's the first takeaway, that that Jesus said following him would be hard, but he also said it would be worth it. And and what's interesting about this, that it being worth it, is that it's really, really easy for us to head nod that concept. Yes, pastor, it is worth it. Yes, yes, ah, yeah, amen, 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 right. But it's really, really hard to believe it when now my cross leads to me being inconvenienced. When the cost of discipleship now means that I'm not comfortable. It's very, very heavy. Worth it, worth it, worth it. But if we're honest, sometimes we pick what is easier for us, what is happy for us, rather than following our Savior. And of this we're convicted. Of this I'm convicted of all the times and ways I haven't 
borne the cross, borne the cost of discipleship in order to serve my Savior. Can you relate? Which is why the best love that we find is not the love of a pastor, is not the love of a mother. It's the love of a Savior. We consider our Savior a very, very hard job, but very, very worth it. You consider his time here on earth, misunderstood by his family, hated by the Jews who were jealous of him. You consider the physical toil. He was a man of suffering and familiar with sorrows. You consider the cross, and what does the cross speak? It speaks very, very hard. And yet from it, very, very worth it. Because we're set free. Because we have the right to be called children of God. Because we are forgiven of any and everything that is ours today. And Jesus is saying, just as my cross was that way, so your cross will be too. It may be very, very hard, but it will be very, very worth it. I love Jesus and his view on us. In fact, couched in the cost of discipleship are some of the most comforting words that you can hear in all of the Bible. In fact, this, if someone asks me, the, my favorite Bible passages is, is when he talks about sparrows and hair. Because he, he, he reminds us of the worth. He, he, he says to us who are going to follow him, I just want you to, to look at the birds. I, I want you to look at sparrows. And, and I love birds right now because birds are the only reason I think there is spring going on. It's not because of the weather, it's not because of the sun, but the birds are there, so I know it's springtime, right? And so Jesus is saying, would you look at those birds? H have you ever seen a, a, a countless flock of them? Uh, like sometimes it's just like they're, they're, they're just too many. Where do they all come from? Where do they all stay? And Jesus is saying, my Heavenly Father, he's so good that he not only knows every one of those birds, but knows when each of them fall and what each of them needs. And then he says, oh, by the way, those birds, they're nothing when it comes to you. Those birds have nothing on you because Jesus Christ did not become a sparrow. He became a man to save humankind, us. And he goes on, and this is not to pick on the bald people, but he goes on to, to say, consider your hair, which for me is a lot of fun because I got a lot of it. I was doing some research. You know, on average, someone can have 100,000 pieces of hair on their head to 150,000. I actually found that on the human body is about 5 million pieces of hair. That's, that's amazing, right? And God says, I know you so intimately. I don't just know your, your birthday. I don't just know your middle name. I don't just know your favorite food. I know you down to the nitty-gritty. I know even the hairs on your head. When each one of them fall, which you lose on average about 100 a day. That's how much I know you. And by pointing us to sparrows and talking about silly things like hair, he's just getting us to realize that your worth, it is greater than you know. Whatever think you think you're valued at, you know, times 10, times 100, times a million, more than we imagine. That's us, loved by a perfect Savior. But that's also everyone else. Every set of eyes you look into is a soul that matters to God. And so the worth of each person is greater than we often think about. We're looking into people who've been fashioned by God on purpose for a purpose. 
everyone he loves. God so loved the world. And so the heartbeat of anyone following Jesus is not to live just for what makes me happy, but to look into the eyes of someone else and say, you're so valued. Whatever I can do to, to, to make you sure that you're valued and to help you, that's worth it. In fact, Jesus, he said this in Philippians. He said, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but, to each, <clears throat> but each of you to the interests of others. Get out of yourselves and start living for someone else. And we need to talk about that just a little bit. And so I brought uh, a couple sunglasses with me. Uh, this, this one set of sunglasses is what I believe most of us wear most of the time. It's the lens of me. In fact, I'm good at wearing these. Whenever I look at my day, I usually evaluate how did it make me feel, what worked for me, were people nice to me, right? In fact, I had an experience this past winter. Was anyone sick this winter? Yeah, I was sick for a month and a half, right? And I got to tell you through the me lens, not so good. Yeah, yeah. Doc went, went there a couple times, didn't get any medication, just had to grin and bear it, right? And, and, and sometimes life is like that, where, where you're, you're in pain, but you got to push through. And all the way I was wearing the me lens, I'm like, oh, this, this is no good at all. Until I had a trip with my daughter, Bella. And as a father uh, from the Milans, I'm always trying to teach her the value of hard work and perseverance and push through, right? But, but then as I saw her look at me who was sick and pushing through, I was in these moments from her lens, I don't, anyway, teaching her something better than I could have ever told her. As she saw dad wake up and go, push through. This taught her more than any speech I could have given her, and maybe I was sick not for my own good, which felt awful, but for her good so that she could know the value of hard work and the value of keep on and keeping on. And I wonder how many of the experiences in life aren't we just so short-sighted because we're looking through the lens of me instead of through the lens of you and what you might be getting from it. You know, I'll never forget when I was in high school, and uh, I was the last person to see um, one of my high school classmates who unfortunately was in a car accident and was killed that night. And so me and an another high schooler we went to the parents' house, and we were trying to put on these glasses. And we were trying to comfort those parents and, and just be like, you know, Steve was awesome and, and, and whatever we can do in the resurrection and, and God is love, he's love, he's with you, all those things. We were trying to put these on. But when we got there, the parents who had every right Every right to wear these. Every right to say this is just too much. Every right to say I can't believe. Every right. When I was there, they put on these. And they looked at a young and a frightened high schooler who didn't know the words to say, and they had the words. And they said, we know where our son is. He's in heaven with the Lord. We miss him. And they, in those moments where they could have wore these, wore them for me in a way that I will never forget their faith and never forget how confident they were of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the power of putting on the U-glass. And so happy Mother's Day. And for you moms who think that these glasses aren't worth it, God says, no, it is worth it every time you sacrifice and every time you give and every time you say, actually, my kids come first. And I'm going to give, not because it makes me happy, because it's what's best for them. 
What if a whole group of parents left today recommitted to that task, saying, regardless of what society says I should get for me, I'm going to put on the you glasses. What if we went to work with these glasses on? What if a a bunch of coworkers now uh, woke up on Monday morning and said, regardless of my paycheck on how I'm feeling, this is about uh, my boss, the clients, the customer, I'm here to help. How can I serve today? What if that's what the church continued to do and did it consistently? What if every Christian who knows what Jesus did and set them free put on the you glasses and said, whatever it takes for you to know Jesus Christ, whatever it is that I might serve so you can be found, let's do that. And I do believe the world would continue to change in significant ways modeled by the Savior. What are we learning? We're learning this. That when a you is helped, it's even better than me being happy. And maybe that's God's purpose for your life. Maybe your lens has been way too short-sighted. You have only had the me glasses on, but you have failed to see how God has used you for the benefit of so many other people. But let's talk about happiness. Because the funny thing is, helping people is not opposed to being happy. (laughs) The funny thing is, helping people can actually feel really, really, really good. In fact, look at what the disciples were able to do. When Jesus tells them to go out, they had the opportunity to do these things. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Wouldn't that be fun? Wouldn't it be fun if you went to a funeral, it was no longer a funeral because they were alive again? I think I'd have a good time. Wouldn't it be fun if you knew someone who was demon-possessed, someone who was down and out, and you were able to lift them up, encourage them, you're safe now. Jesus reigns. What if they were sick, a chronic ailment, and you were able to just touch them as they touched the handkerchiefs of the New Testament apostles and were healed? I think that would be fun. In fact, that was the report. The report was this, when they came back, the 72 returned with, can you say that word, with joy, which is different than happiness, and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. They came back with this deep sense of, oh my goodness, there is nothing better, let's do that again. But it was less like eating a donut and more like a runner's high. We talk about that, Uh, you know, happiness is eating a donut. It's a sugar rush. It tastes good. It's not good in the long term, right? A runner's high is different. After, again, I'd put in the grueling work, now I feel the endorphins, and oh, it was only after I was exhausted, though. In fact, that's a good picture of sin and obedience. You know, when it comes to sin and obedience, sin is short-term pleasure and long-term pain. Obedience is short-term pain for long-term pleasure. And so God is calling us, I believe, to a runner's high. I know you might be tired. I know you might end the day exhausted, but when you realize how God used you, you'll have reason for true joy. You know, this past week I heard from a a pastor's kid. And this pastor's kid vowed he would never be a pastor. Saw what it is, not for me. And so he started to work for Chick-fil-A. Very successful. Chick-fil-A is doing pretty well. Um, But he couldn't quell the call of serving Jesus full-time in public ministry. And so he, uh, he started out, and he was serving in a new believer's class. And during this new believer's class, there was a woman who started sobbing, just crying. 
And he's thinking, like, what did I say wrong? Are they going to kick me out? Are they going to fire me? When he finally addressed the woman, the woman said, I never heard I was loved unconditionally. I just never knew. It was a happy cry. And it was that moment that that pastor said, you know, I'm hooked. I want to do this the rest of my life. Now, do you think his life became easier? Probably not. Do you think it was worth it? You betcha. And so, dear friends, when we follow Jesus, you want to know what you can expect? You can expect that following him leads to a deep sense of joy. And if you've been part of Amazing Love for a while, you have served, and the Lord has seen your labors. We have people who clean the bathrooms and scrub the toilets to the glory of God. Why? Because this is the first entry for someone who is new to experience the grace of God. We have people, lovely people, who set out donuts, and they're delicious, and they pick them up. Why? Because we're setting the table for other people to recognize the goodness of God and to stick around and have great conversations. We have people who count money. Seems like a simple thing. Well, who cares? But you are part of giving a, a transparent use of what is God's to the people so that we make sure we handle what is God's in the appropriate way. Thank you very much. We have people who greet, who serve in children's ministry. We have people who sing. We have people on technology. We have had countless efforts over the years of what it is to do free garage sales and soccer camps, and sometimes we were exhausted, but you know what? It has led to people finding their Savior. And we might have been exhausted, but I'm here to tell you it was worth it. And isn't that true, Mom? Moms know this. You might end the day exhausted and happy they finally went to bed, but you know that your work of keeping them safe that day, of teaching them life lessons, that was worth it. And this is the life of a Christian every day. You know, today might not have been my immediate happiness. In fact, I might hit the pillow dog-tired, exhausted, and ready for a good night's sleep, but guess what? Serving Jesus was worth it. May he empower you to put on the new lens. That's what our Savior did for us. Amen. Please stand. And the peace of God, which transcends our understanding, may it guard your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.